Good morning. Glad to have you all here. Let's go ahead and stand and uh, so turn the page to hymn number 537 for our first song. In my heart there rings a melody. Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for all that goes on in this church, Lord. We do thank you for your many blessings and ask you to continue just watching over us. Be with our guest speaker this today, Lord, as he brings us your word. We do thank you for him and his faithfulness and all the faithfulness of all the other pastors who've been filling in for Pastor. We, we do just thank you for that. Also continue just giving Pastor the strength he needs as he recovers and just continue just watching over him and his family. We do just thank you so much for all your goodness towards us. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, come worship you, and sing praises to you also. So, Jesus, and I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated and turn to number two. I think that's. See, make sure I got the right schedule up here. Yes, number two. Come, Christian, join the sing. So that's a little different from the bulletin. So that's number two. <laughs>
John's going to come and read the, do the announcements for today. And can get ready to turn to number 47. That's our next hymn. Good to see you folks this morning. Just wanted a few announcements here. There's four announcements, and then we got several prayer requests. Uh, number one, next Sunday is the Lord's Supper, so be prepared for that. Uh, number two, uh, Saturday, December 4th, uh, 10 to noon, we're going to have a church decoration day here at the church. So if your schedule allows, please come forth, come here, and, uh, and join in the fun. Number three, uh, the annual business meeting that we typically have in December was going to be moved to March of 2022 uh, for various obvious reading reasons. Number four, uh, in order to protect from, from sickness, Pastor Stevens is requesting that we don't, you know, um, that we, he'll be wearing a mask and asks no shaking of hands and so forth, so he's just protecting himself, which is just appropriate at this time. So we just, uh, he just asked to honor that. And then for VBC uh, prayer requests, uh, Jen Solt, uh, please pray for her. I know she's been, personally, she's having, having trouble with headaches and um, migraines and so forth, so just please continue to pray for her. Uh, Robert Wines, uh, please pray for him. Uh, the, the list here says kidney stones and other health needs, so just please be praying for Robert Wines. Also, play, uh, continue to pray for our pastor, uh, recovery from the operation, um, and on November 23rd here, the note is that he's going to have some teeth removed. So I don't know if you ever had a tooth removed, but it's not the funnest thing, and it, it can be uh, kind of uh, uh, involved, if you will. So just please pray for him, uh, in, and that's in lieu of future radiation and chemo treatment. So just please pray for him. Carol, Carolyn Perlern, please pray for her, for her kidneys. Uh, there's some kidney issues there. And then also here, number five, Crystal Niner, Doug and Crystal, and uh, welcomed a new baby boy into their family by God's grace uh, this Saturday evening. Uh, his name is Theodore, or Teddy, however you want to call him. So praise the Lord for that. I don't have more, another information on that, but uh, praise the Lord for that. Just uh, keep play, uh, praying for them in your, in, your, uh, in your prayers. And so that uh, uh, they can continue to welcome the, their new baby boy. Uh, number six, protection from flus and colds. We all know that the, the, uh, the, the cold, the flu and cold season's going around, and uh, also the coronavirus may be raising its ugly head again this, this winter, so please pray for our members and others involved as well across our country um, and family and so forth for protection from the flu and the, and the COVID, coronavirus. Um, also, the church is in need of a snow removal company, if you will, or a person. Uh, winter's coming. And you can tell, and uh, it's getting colder out there, and snow is going to be flying soon. You remember last year, that three-footer, or whatever we had, that 30-some-inch snow? I know my snowblower remembers that very well. Uh, it, was, it was in operation for many hours. So just pray uh, for the church that uh, we can find a snow removal company or a person to take care of us, okay? Uh, I'd just like to thank again for Keith, Keith and his wife for uh, coming here and uh, volunteering to preach this morning. And then also, the last thing is that this is the, uh, this is the week that our country has, uh, has uh, placed in its calendar, if you will, to honor Thanksgiving. So I just ask you to, to uh, I know that the Bible commands us to be thankful people as Christians. 
So even this week, though, just take a special time to, uh, I know that, that our nation and our country, uh, we don't know exactly who to be thankful to. It's, it's all over the map. But we as Christians should know who to be thankful to. So just please uh, take some special time this week and, and just direct your thoughts and your prayers to the Lord. Just thank him for the blessings in our lives. Okay? Thank you. So for our next hymn, we'll ask you to turn to number 47. How majestic is thy name? today. I ask you to turn to number 86 and please stand for this one. God of the ages.
update on how Pat is doing, and uh, I think she has a special right after that. I get to speak for him. <laughs> um, <clears throat> We have a lot of blessings, and of course, um, I want to give you the rest of the information because us moms and women, we like to hear all the baby info. So the baby's hall name is um, Theodore Christopher Niner, and they're going to call him Teddy. Um, and he was eight pounds, one ounce, 20 inches long, and was born yesterday, last evening at 632. So that's for all of us women that need all those facts. <laughs> <laughs> so we're rejoicing and how many things God has given us and um, one friend reminded me this morning count your blessings count your blessings and <clears throat> have to count our blessings and you know I did this with you last week and <clears throat> excuse me and again this week we have so much to thank God for my husband and I and every week it's been the busy busiest weeks of our lives where we literally are doing three four appointments on a day every day <laughs> it's like one is way up in Cedar Cross, and then we're back to Muhlenberg, and then we're back home to meet with the nurse, and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, wow. And um, so this week, my husband had um, the port placement put in, so he's gotten that taken care of. Thankful, Lord, for that. We're getting things re ready. It looks like treatment will begin in the 1st of December, because people have asked me this just, you know, because there's so much to get done prior to it. Um, we also had to see a dentist immediately because the radiation is going to be on the tongue and the mouth, and it does incredible damage to the jaw, to the mouth, to the teeth. So please be praying about it because um, we've had a lot of worst-case scenarios that we've had to set, sit through with different doctors. You go in and then you're kind of like, ah. <laughs> you sit in the car and just kind of take a deep breath and go, they're going to do what to you? And uh, so they have to pull out perfectly good teeth because it will ruin them, and then they can't do that in the midst of radiation treatment. So instead of three, we found out the oral surgeon says, no, you've got to have six. So there will be six teeth pulled out on Tuesday. So I'm just telling you, so you know how to specifically pray, and so when you see him, you know, you're just aware of what's going on. Um, so this is what's happening. We were overwhelmed for the moment. We've had many moments like that. We come out and just kind of sit and go, hmm, you know. Um, so, but again, I want to encourage you. Uh, the scripture here in Isaiah 43 says, he says, uh, now this is your creator, your God. He says, I who formed you, Israel, don't fear, because I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name, your mind. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That is such a comfort because a lot of these do feel like a wave that goes, shoom, and knocks us down, you know. First of all, you know, finally you're going to have half of your tongue removed, and then they're going to take and use your arm for the for the donor site, and then they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And you're like, what? What? They really do these things to people? <laughs> <laughs> kind of feel like you're a science experiment. But you know what? I want to tell you, um, his arm, he doesn't have the splint on today, so that is a huge praise. Um, the plastic surgeon saw it, and it really is growing. The skin is regenerating. God has made us fearfully and wonderfully. So we look at it every day, we're like, oh, my goodness. If you'd seen this site before, because they took muscle, they took the artery, they took skin to rebuild the tongue. 
<laughs> I'm looking and I'm doing the dressing and I'm going, oh, wow, it's, it's growing, it's growing back and it's filling in this huge area. So, you know, you just, you have to see the mighty hand of God working in all things. It's not the end of the world. I'm telling you this because everybody is going through suffering and um, I feel like the Lord wants me to share what we're learning through suffering because God has certainly put us in this, you know, you all know since June and it's been an ongoing thing, but to praise his name, he's done that healing for my husband so he doesn't have the splint on and now he's getting to use that hand. He actually drove us to church today. Yay, he actually got to sleep in the bed with me. We had to get one of those big inclined pillows for him to sit up. But my husband has not been in bed for, since June, since June, he's been in a recliner. So you know what? I count my blessings and I say, oh, you're there. Thank you, Lord, you're, you're actually in bed with me. What a blessing. These are such blessings and I praise God for because they're, they're moving forward. And I can tell you what mighty things God has done. And the Bible talks about that all through Psalms, you know, let's tell one another what good things God has done and praise his name. So thank you for listening to me to tell you about your pastor and just so you understand. Um, and so this treatment, when it starts, um, that's why he's, he's going to be covered up because of his mouth and, and, and things that will be happening. But we know we have your love, we have your prayers, and oh, and you remember last week how I was telling you about every day of the week we went to the mailbox and there was money. <laughs> I feel like um, Elijah, you know, with the, with the raven coming in and giving them what they needed. And we're standing, because um, the first thing was, you know, the lawyers are handling that accident. Now on this time, you know, we have met, he has Medicare, but then the oral stuff and things, it's out of pocket. And so this surgeon thing, it was like, oh, is this going to be $3,000 and such and such? And I was like, oh, Lord, okay. And, you know, and you have to sign, okay, you know, we'll pay this. And we thought, okay, Lord. And we just sat in the car after all this. We said, God, you're going to take care of this. I kid you not, we just got a check three days ago for $1,500 in the mail. I'd ne I've never, I mean, I've been saved all these years, but this, this living like this, it's amazing. Um, another day, it was another check for a hundred. I, I just, and, I'm, and you know all I told you last week, so I want to tell you this to encourage you, you know, when you go through your time, because everybody will, will go through time, God is going to meet your needs. I want the kids to know this too. God is answering your prayers for pastor, because I know some of you are really praying, and God is answering. And so when we pray for one another, like we pray for Jen right now, my heart is really burdened for her. Um, she's a mom of six kids, and um, really pray for her because she's not able to be here again and, and if you know Jenny she's always the middle of everything she's fun and and so I hate to see her down so um, really let's you know we can really gird up one another in prayer and maybe that's what all this is happening is that we're learning to bear one another's burdens because there's a lot of people here that have burdens you're bearing and you know God God makes us strong I am here to tell you God has made me stronger than I ever thought I could ever be um, and I don't even know why, except it's his grace. It's his grace that just keeps keeping me. So, you know, like, maybe I can help you. When your time comes, you can say, okay, Cynthia, how did you do this? And I can say, well, let me show you this first. This really kept me, you know. So um, we can bless one another. And I have a song I want to sing. Sometimes I, I just kept kind of hiding away because, you know, but the Lord's just, he's pushing me out more and more. And um, I was going to sing one song, but this, this one's been on my heart, Perfect Peace. Because it's my testimony, God gives perfect peace in the midst of trials.
Okay, we'll see. Does that work? Is that good? Cynthia, and before our guest speaker comes up, I will ask to read this. It's just an introduction to him, for him. It says he's, he's been, he's, his name's Keith Lamberson. 
He's been property manager at Tri-State Baptist Camp in the mo most northeast corner of New Jersey for 23 years. And he served as deacon at Pine Island Baptist Bible Church in Warwick, New York for the same amount of time. He's been married for, to his wife, Alyssa, for 27 years and have, they have three grown children, two of which are married and one of which has blessed us with two of the world's most adorable grand, granddaughters so far. Cynthia and Pastor might disagree with that at the moment, so they just had a granddaughter born yesterday, so. <laughs> okay, so I asked Keith Lemerson to come and give us God's word. finally put some faces with the prayers never been to this church before and even been praying for pastor stevens for some time now since i've heard about this our connection i didn't realize that you sent some of your people to the camp that i, I do the maintenance at but our connection really is through another pastor friend of ours brian balsamo uh, i grew up in the church that his parents went to and i guess about the time we moved up to the camp is when he was being raised and i think they had gone to another church for a period of time so I didn't really get to know even Pastor Brian until somewhat recently, but uh, he knew that we lived close by you guys and knew that you needed some help filling the pulpit, so that's how the contact uh, was made there, and I uh, appreciate the, the privilege to fill in here for you. I guess we'll be back a few times, uh, if you so choose, <laughs> see how it goes today. Uh, but about the time that... Uh, we made these contacts, and Pastor Brian had asked me to, to see if I could fill in here for a little bit. I had been reading in my devotions in the, through the book of Acts uh, in preparation to actually have a Bible study with a, a new uh, man that's been coming to our church, and that's going to be starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, but when I was in Acts chapter 2, I came across a word, and oftentimes in our King James Bibles, there are words that we don't use very often in our language today in our, when we talk to each other. Uh, but that makes me dig in more to find out what that word means. How do I understand it better? Rather than switch to a different version or whatever, not that there's, well, there certainly are some versions out there I would not recommend at all, but uh, I think it's better to dig in and learn what it means. Uh, go back to the Greek words and things like that. And I don't know much about Greek. I never studied it. I have enough trouble with English. <laughs> but uh, it, this was really interesting, and I, the Lord was able to help me develop this into a message and uh, that's what I want to speak to you about today. Uh, we'll get to that, that word in a little bit. But the title of my message today is called Spiritual Scoliosis. Scoliosis, I'm sure you're all aware, is uh, a disease of the spinal cord. Instead of going straight from front to back, it has a curvature to it, and it can cause some serious problems. I can remember, I don't know if it was second grade, third grade, somewhere's in there, where the nurse would come to our classroom and check everybody's spine to make sure it's straight and check to see if there are any signs of scoliosis because it needs to be corrected early on in order to prevent some problems. Um, it can cause difficulty in breathing. It can, it can even cause life-threatening problems if it's not treated with a brace or surgery. I did a little research on this uh, through the computer, and it says uh, that about 2 to 3% of the population in the U.S. ends up having scoliosis, physical scoliosis, between the ages of 10 and 16. That's why they're so uh, urgent on getting it checked early on so that they can do something about it before it becomes into a, a bigger problem. Well, the word 
that I came across in my devotions, we'll get to it eventually, is in Acts chapter 2. The word was untoward, U-N-T-O-W-A-R-D, untoward. I, I, don't, I know I've never used it, never seen it outside the scriptures, but I thought that's an interesting word. I wonder what that means. And uh, when I, I have an app on my phone and, and a, a program on my computer called eSword, highly recommend it. It's really neat. So you can see the actual Greek word. And the Greek word for that word untoward is skolios. It's spelled a little different, S-K-O-L-I-O-S. But that's the first thing I thought about was skoliosis. I wonder if that's the same word. And it is. That's where we get our word skoliosis from, that Greek word. So this really got the snowball rolling uh, in my mind, in my mind to do a study on this. <coughs> the Greek word uh, that's Scolios is found four times in our New Testament. It's translated into three different English words, and we're going to look at all four of the times that it's used in the New Testament. And, uh, but it can mean, uh, the, the English words it can be translated to is warped, and of course that means bent or distorted. Uh, I told you I do the maintenance work at Tri-State Bible Camp, so a lot of that is carpentry. I had my own carpentry business before I moved up there. And before I purchased lumber, you always want to make sure that it's straight, that it's not warped. It's no good unless you're making rocking chairs. It's no good to, to use a two by four that's warped if you're building a wall because it doesn't come out straight. It's hard to level it and plumb it. Uh, and it's been very difficult these past uh, 20 months or so to find straight lumber because of the shortage. Uh, but that's one word that can be translated into our English language. Uh, it can be translated winding, which means bending, turning, or coiling. You think of a winding stairway that goes up. It, it twists around a pole to go up to a second floor. It can be translated perverse. Perverse means willfully determined to go counter to what is expected, persistent in what is wrong. Boy, we see a lot of that in our society today, don't we? People are just bent on doing the opposite of what they ought to be doing. Even Christians, unfortunately, are people who claim to be Christians. Uh, and these next three words that can be translated into English are the three words that we find in our New Testament. Crooked, crooked of course means not straight. It can mean dishonest, askew, or awry. That's why we call somebody who's a thief a crook, because they're dishonest. They're taking something that does not belong to them. So they're a crook, but it can also mean crooked, not straight. It can mean froward. Uh, that means willfully contrary. That's a lot like perverse. Or it can be translated untoward, like I, like I told you the, the word that actually uh, prompted this whole study for me. And untoward is a, a tough word to define, but I like to define it as, I'm sure you've heard before, maybe your pastor is even when he's talked about repentance. When we're, before we're saved, before we come to Christ for salvation, we're walking away from God in our natural life of sin. And when we repent, we turn 180 degrees and we walk toward God. So if we're walking toward God as Christians, like we ought to be, we're not walk, walking untoward God, right? So that gives me a better idea of what that word untoward actually means. So we're going to look first in Luke chapter 3. The first instance of this Greek word scolios is in Luke chapter 3. If you want to look in your Bibles there. This is where we hear of John the Baptist and his preparing the way for the Lord. Jesus to come. Luke chapter 3 and before we Read a few verses here in Luke 3. Let's look to the Lord for wisdom. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that we can have a copy of it and 
freely in our country. We pray that you would help us to understand from it today what you have for us. We thank you for the truths that are in it and the ability to preach it freely. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. <clears throat> the Bible says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked, there's the word scolios, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I think this is interesting in this particular instance with that Greek word scolios, because it's talking about an uneven terrain. Uh, there's a lot of uneven terrain. Pennsylvania is beautiful with the mountains. My wife and I were just up in New Hampshire two weekends ago, the beginning of November, uh, to visit our youngest daughter who lives up there. And we went actually an hour north of where she lives to go to some famous pancake restaurant or something for breakfast one morning. But from there, you can see huge mountains there, even Mount Washington, which is 6,000 feet above sea level. It comes to like a point on the top, and it's already snow covered on the top. And it's really a, quite a sight. Uh, and that's some, some rough terrain uh, where it talks like here about every mountain and hill shall be brought low. Uh, that's, that's definitely a big mountain. And I understand the mountains out west are even bigger than the mountains on the east over here. Uh, but then we also, uh, the end of August, we, my wife and I had planned on taking a trip out to Grand Canyon. But we had to cancel that for various reasons. Uh, but we did take a trip upstate New York uh, to a place called Leckworth State Park. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And that has, that's, that's kind of like that. We also went to the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon of the East, which is a huge canyon. I mean, it's just beautiful to see how far down that goes. And that's rough terrain as well. We saw it from a distance. And there's beautiful waterfalls. And I know there's beautiful waterfalls around here as well. But those pictures in, in my mind make me, uh, remind me of this verse here where it says, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low. So if you think about that from a physical standpoint, if you were to chop those mountains off and you get the, the triangular shaped mountain, flip it over and put it in the valley, then the path would be straight. There wouldn't be any rough terrain. It would be level. It would be, you know, a nice easy path. It's tough to climb up and down hills. Uh, each spring at the camp there when I fill our swimming pool, I have to run some fire hose down the hill, down to the Delaware River, and to draw the water up to fill the pool. Well, it, it wasn't so bad when I was in my 20s doing that. My, well, I guess I moved up there in my 30s, when I was 30. Uh, but uh, it's getting tougher going up and down the hill. It's about 100 feet, and it's pretty steep. Sometimes even going down the hill is tougher than coming up the hill uh, doing that. Uh, but, but there's some, some rough terrain uh, in that perspective. But the verses here in Luke chapter 3... I want to focus more on the spiritual terrain here. Because uh, in verse 6 there, it says, All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now, of course, John the Baptist was preparing the way of Jesus, and, and he was going to physically be there uh, soon uh, to show that he was the Savior of the world. But spiritually speaking, Jesus also leveled the terrain so that everybody could have equal access to him. Everybody on the planet. There are people who think that they're up on the mountaintop, right? These Jesus even... Uh, uh, talked about some of those, the religious leaders of his day, who thought that they were too good. You know, obviously, I'm going to heaven. I'm so good. I'm a religious leader. I got it all together. God wants me in heaven, so I don't have to. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't need anything. Uh, but they're on those spiritual mountaintops, 
and there's rough terrain up there, and they need to come down to go to the cross to get to heaven. The Bible is clear that it's only through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross that we can have access to God and access to heaven in one day. Uh, but the people who think that they're okay up on those mountaintops don't think that they need that. The truth is they do. And then you have people that are down in those valleys. You have the, uh, the, the lowlifes of society, maybe the murderers, the people who have committed some horrible crimes, uh, the, the drunkards and people like that. Sometimes they get so far down in those valleys that they think, God can't save me. I'm, I'm the worst of all sinners. I, I, can't get, I can't go to church. I can remember when I was maybe 15 or 16, my dad was trying to share the gospel with one of my cousins. Uh, he was just about to go into the army. And uh, his, his response was, well, I, I need to clean myself up before I can start going to church. Oh, that's, that's what Christ does for you. You come to Christ as you are, and he'll clean you up. Uh, we can't clean ourselves up. So the people that are in those big valleys and think that there's no way they can climb out and get to the cross, this is why God leveled the playing field. He put those mountains in the valleys so we all have equal access to the cross, and we can get there. Uh, this is why it says, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough ways shall be made smooth, and we can all get to the cross. Every human being on the planet has equal access to the cross because of that. Nobody's better, nobody's worse than the other. Uh, somebody thinks they're the worst sinner in that valley and there's no way they can get out. Well, think about what the Apostle Paul said. I'm the chief of sinners, right? We, we have a lot of assistant chiefs and captains and lieutenants walking around today of sinners. Uh, but if Paul says he was the, the chief of sinners and he has a relationship with Christ, he came to trust Christ as his savior, well, then anybody can get out of that mountain, out of that valley to come to Christ. So it's, it certainly is a blessing to see how God made that crooked, that scolios, made it straight uh, as, as far as the path to Christ goes and the pathway to heaven. Uh, I'm not very much in the sports, playing sports or watching sports. Maybe some of you are, that's fine. Uh, but we have at the camp there, we have this one building that I built, I don't know what it was, maybe 16, 18 years ago, called the Human Foosball Building. Has anybody ever heard of Human Foosball? Some other camps have them. You know, foosball that you, you think about maybe is that little game where the soccer players are affixed to a rod and you turn the rods and they kick the ball. It's like a soccer uh, game there. But this is human foosball in the building. We have chains that are hung from the ceiling down on rings and everybody has to hold on to the ring. We adjust the ring to your height, which you can hold on to, and then you swing yourself back and kick the ball. And it's, it's, it is one sport, I guess you call it a sport, that I, I used to enjoy playing. Now I'm getting a little rough on the shoulders. <laughs> I haven't played it in years. But, but what I liked about that game, I think, is that it leveled the playing field. Everybody's the same. It doesn't matter whether you're four feet or six feet tall or anywhere in between because everybody gets adjusted so that you're pivoting from 10 feet above on that chain. So everybody has an equal uh, chance to, to kick the ball into the goal there. If you were playing basketball and you were four feet tall, it's not exactly an equal chance to somebody that's six or seven feet tall, right? Uh, just another uh, illustration of how that levels the playing field and makes, makes the, the, uh, the path straight to Christ. Uh, I also thought about, as I was thinking about this illustration here, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you go to the hospital and you get an EKG or watch somebody else does an EKG and you watch the lines on the screen with the heartbeat that go up and down, you don't necessarily want to level that playing field. That's, those are good mountains and valleys. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
it's just a, an interesting thing here how God can, can level that field, that, that path to Christ, so that nobody has to climb a mountain, nobody has any more religious input uh, to where they don't need Christ, and you're not so bad that you can't come to Christ. Everybody has equal access to Christ. Another time this word scoliosis translated crooked is in Philippians chapter 2. You want to turn to Philippians chapter 2 here. Verses 14 through 16, this is a, a verse I think that was common in our household when our kids were being raised. <laughs> Maybe it's common in yours as well. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked, there's the word scolios, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So here is a different use of the, the word scolios, even though it's translated crooked again here. It's talking about a crooked and perverse nation. And wow, we can certainly say that about our nation, unfortunately, today. Uh, it's, it's really going in the wrong direction, and it's sad uh, to see the direction our nation is headed. Uh, we need to be praying for our nation as well uh, and the things going on in it. A crooked nation is one in which the leaders take the path of least resistance. Uh, and it seems like many of our leaders today are doing that. Um, in Proverbs 21.1, the Bible says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. We live right next to a river, the Delaware River, by us. In fact, the road that we live on is called River Road, and it's just as windy as the river is. Right? Uh, it's very rare that you ever see a river going straight through a place because it always takes the path of least resistance. Uh, I, I could just picture in my head, and maybe, maybe one day when we get to heaven, we'll see the actual videos of what it was like after Noah's flood and how the waters receded off the earth and how those rivers were formed. But maybe they came down from the mountaintops, and there were boulders and things that were very hard in the ground, so the rivers went around those boulders. And that's why they took the path of least resistance to get back out to the ocean there. But unfortunately, a lot of people do that as well. And sometimes the path of least resistance is not the right path that we should be on as believers. Sometimes the path is difficult, and it's hard for us to go that path. Even though it's uh, the path that God wants us to be on, we need to choose to do the right thing with our lives. And that, that is difficult at times. Uh, our sin nature always desires things contrary to what God wants us to be doing. Uh, we see that in Romans chapter 7 when the Apostle Paul talks about I do the things that I shouldn't be doing and I shouldn't do the things that I... And he really struggles with that and I think every one of us can relate to that but thanks be to God that uh, he gives the victory. So biblical Christianity has a lot of resistance to the unsaved man. Therefore, like rivers do, they take the path of least resistance. Uh, nations, leaders of nations, uh, leaders of businesses and even, unfortunately, sometimes leaders of churches take this path of least resistance, and that's not necessarily the right way to go. Uh, recently, I was cutting through a piece of pine on the table saw at the camp there, and there was a piece of pine that we had milled from uh, some of the pine trees that we had cut down years ago, and the pine, it's about an inch thick. I was gonna rip it into some different uh, widths, and there was a little hole in it, about three-eighths of an inch wide, 
and I thought maybe somebody had nailed that or screwed that to something. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't a nail in it, so when I cut it, it didn't ruin my blade. Uh, but there wasn't anything in it, so I cut it, and after I cut through it, I noticed that was actually a hole, the entrance that a carpenter bee had gone into that piece of wood. And after I cut it, I saw the path that he took inside that piece of wood. And he came to like within an eighth of an inch on both sides of the edge of the pine, and there was a knot in one spot where he went around that knot because it was too hard to go through that knot. And I thought, huh, that's somebody else taking the path of least resistance uh, going around that, that knot. That's a decent illustration of this as well. But so we need to uh, be careful. The Bible says we need to shine as lights in this crooked and perverse nation. Don't forget that. Uh, sometimes our light shines, the, well, really, our light only shines the brightest when we're in the darkest situation. Uh, just a few nights ago, I think we had a, a partial eclipse of the moon or whatever. I didn't get up in the middle of the night to see it, but one of my brothers sent me a picture from what he saw, and that was pretty neat. Uh, but when it's very dark outside, you can see the stars better. You can see the, the lights that are around us better. Uh, when we were somewhere recently on vacation it's in Pennsylvania, I think it was, there was a place we could go where you could really see the stars good because you were away from any city, any town, any artificial light, and it was really, it was very dark up there, and it was neat to see. Unfortunately, it was clouded that night, so it wasn't too, too good of a night to go see that, but uh, our lights as Christians uh, need to shine in these dark places, and our world is not getting any brighter, that's for sure, so our lights need to get brighter. The third use of the word scolios is the word that prompted me for this on forward. It's found in Acts chapter 2. If you want to turn there, Acts chapter 2. This was right after uh, Peter's sermon here at the birth of the church. Peter's preaching at Pentecost here, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, when they heard his message, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's a good question to ask every time you hear a message, right? All of us. Uh, when somebody's given a message, sharing their, uh, their, their uh, sermon with you or teaching a lesson or whatever, it's not just because... You know, we like to teach or it gives us something to do or we, we had to study something. And it's so all of us can grow in our faith. What shall we do? So what's, what's the next step? What are we going to do with what we just learned? So that was a good question for them to ask. Uh, so Peter's answer here in verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So Peter's generation, it's probably hard for us to, to believe, but I think Peter's generation was just as crooked and spineless as ours. Um, it just came out in different ways. I can remember when our kids were growing up, we, have, we had the whole DVD collection of Little House on a Prairie, and we would watch that with the kids as they're growing up. And oftentimes I'd, I'd watch those episodes and think, boy, it would have been so neat to grow up in that day and age, you know, less problems, but there were also difficulties that they, they had and all that. And, you know, God has each one of us here right now in this generation for a reason. He didn't have us grow up back then or back when Jesus was walking the earth or 
whenever uh, you might have wanted to have been alive. Uh, God has us here for a purpose, for a reason. And even though Peter talked about this crooked and, and perverse generation, this untoward generation, and we have one today as well that seems far worse than his, it's the same thing. They're still sinners that need Christ, just like it was in Peter's day. Um, so they might be doing different methods of sin, different ways that they couldn't have done before, but it's just as crooked and spineless as our generation. Politicians and other leaders base their morals on their pocketbooks. And when someone else wants them to do something shady, their spine becomes rubber and they cave into their demands to make even more money. We see that all over the place. Uh, governments, businesses, and even churches fall prey to this. Uh, we need to base our morals on our unchanging God and never be bribed to do anything shady. Okay, we need to get our morals, what's right and what's wrong, from this book, not from anything else. Uh, not from our opinions, not from money, not from anything else. It's important for us to get our morals from the Bible. Uh, my wife and I just watched, uh, I guess it's more of a documentary than a, than a movie that our son recommended to us called American Gospel. And, you know, I've certainly been uh, aware of some of these televangelists and faith healers and, and people like that uh, on TV that seem like they're, they're making a lot of money from what they're doing and it's not really that they're doing it out of a genuine concern for people or even doing it genuinely at all uh, but they're they're crooked and perverse they're untoward they're not doing these things for the real reason that we ought to be doing it they're doing it for their own pocketbook some of the interviews on that uh, documentary showed <laughs> how much money and how many things some of these televangelists have and it's it's a shame we need to be sharing the gospel with our generation just as much as Peter did in his generation because they're crooked and perverse and uh, they need the gospel as much as they did back then. And the last word here <clears throat> that we're going to look at is 1 Peter chapter 2. It's the word forward. That's another word that we really don't use very often in our language today. I think I might have heard that before outside the scriptures, but uh, not certainly not like untoward, but froward. First uh, Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 18, the Bible says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if ye be buffeted for your faults, shall ye take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this, uh, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Being subject to a froward master does not mean that one should just look the other way when something is done that is wrong. Uh, we all, I think this can also be likened to uh, employees, be subject to your employers, uh, when we're at work, we ought to be doing what we're supposed to be doing, what we were hired to do. Uh, we shouldn't be goofing off. We shouldn't be uh, doing personal things on company time and, and all that type of thing uh, because we need to be, especially if we have an unsaved boss or employer, we need to be uh, realizing that really our purpose there isn't just to make money to sustain our physical needs here on earth, but our purpose there is higher than that, is to be a spiritual example uh, to our coworkers, to our bosses, uh, so we need to be doing what we're supposed to be doing and uh, giving them a Christ-like example. 
it's important for us to do that. Colossians 3.22 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So if we have a, a froward or uh, maybe a dishonest or a, a difficult employer, we still should respond to them the way that Christ would respond to them, which is difficult for us. Again, it's not the, the path of least resistance. It might be the difficult way to go through something. We might be that carpenter bee that has to go through that knot, and it's going to take time to get through it. Uh, but we have to be faithful to the scriptures and not necessarily do uh, things that we, we shouldn't be doing. Uh, I can remember, unfortunately, uh, one time in my early 20s, I, I wasn't uh, walking with the Lord uh, back then, but I had a job in a lumber mill. And my boss at the time uh, was very, very difficult in certain areas and trying to get things done. And certain customers would order, say, a 1,000 feet of a particular molding. We would have molding machines that would make different uh, types of patterns on, on wood and things like that. And if they wanted a 1,000 feet and we we ran everything through it and a couple boards were messed up, I'd go in and tell him, look, we only got 900 feet out of it. He'd come out and there was a meter on the end of the machine that would count how many feet came out of the machine. He'd come out and pick it up off the piece of wood and just spin it. Okay, now we got 1,000. That's not honest. That, that's a forward uh, employer. That's difficult. And I should have stood up at the time. I didn't many times because, again, I wasn't walking for the Lord. But uh, it's difficult to do that. You have to take a stand as a believer. You can't be dishonest. I can't do that. I'm not going to write that on the paper. You know, that's, that's not what they're getting. And then oftentimes, weeks later, we'd get a call from that company and say, hey, I, I didn't have enough. What happened? Uh, it wasn't me. But we need to be honest is, is the point here. We can't be forward as believers, even though we work for forward people and we know forward people and all these other uh, words. Uh, we, need to, we need to stand up for what's right. I was just at last weekend uh, a men's conference that Biblical Family Ministries put on down near Philadelphia at Chad's Ford Baptist Church. Uh, any of you men, if you want to watch it, they were recorded. They're on Chad's Ford Baptist Church's YouTube page. There was eight messages, and they were all excellent. I'd really encourage you to do that. Uh, but the theme, I didn't realize that after I'd even prepared this message, the theme of that conference was where are the men? And it was taken from 1 Corinthians 16, 13, which is one of the verses that I have here to help encourage us to, to know that we need to take a stand. What does the Bible say about taking a stand? So many people are spineless. Their spines are crooked. They have that scolios, scoliosis in their spine, spiritually speaking. So what can we do as Christians to take a strong stand? Well, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Okay, those are, you can make a whole message just out of that verse alone, but uh, it tells us to watch. It doesn't say just keep an eye on something. You know, sometimes you might step out of the office for a minute or whatever and put something there and ask somebody to keep an eye on it. Well, that's, that's not somebody that's really watching it, like a watchman would watch something, right? If you had a security guard trying to protect something, you wouldn't want them to just keep an eye on things. I want you to prevent somebody from coming and stealing something that we have or whatever. Uh, watch it. Before there were smoke alarms in buildings where people would go on in hotels or whatever, there were people on fire watch. So that you wouldn't want them to just fall asleep or you know just keep an eye and make sure you don't see anything or smell anything. No, keep an eye out. Watch. You're on guard to watch. And if you see something, wake everybody up. Get them out of the building. Uh, it's very important. And we need to do that as Christians as well. We need to be strong uh, and watch what's going on in our world around us so that we know how to react to it from the scripture. 
Uh, stand fast in the faith. We need to stand fast. We can't be wishy-washy. We can't have rubber spines. When we know something is right to do as believers, we need to stand fast and do what's right, especially when it comes to our faith. There's a lot of verses that talk about that that we'll get to here uh, as we close up. Do you usually close at now or 12 or <clears throat> does it matter? I'll keep going. Uh, so we need to stand fast in the faith. Where it says quit you like men, it's not the idea that we're thinking of the word quit. That's probably another word that would be good to do a, a study from. It means be manly is actually what that whole phrase means, to be manly. It's not talking about being manly like, like back in the 70s where you know, men had their shirts unbuttoned and all that kind of thing. Macho, it's not talking about machoism. Uh, it's talking about being manly was don't be wishy-washy, be strong, do what's right. You know what's the right thing to do, do it. Uh, don't just go by what other people are telling you to do. Check it out. And the last word, the last phrase there in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 is be strong. We need to be strong, especially in our day and age. We can't be weak as Christians and expect God to be happy with us. We need to be strong. And the only way we can be strong is to be in the word of God, to know what's right so that we can refute the things that come down the road that are wrong. I can imagine today that many people would interpret this verse instead of the way it's written. Uh, they would say, well, maybe it should just say, keep an eye out. Stand fast in your opinion. Be macho. Go to the gym regularly instead of be strong, right? Uh, but that's not what it says. Uh, we can't stand fa fast in our opinion because our opinions change, right? If I don't like somebody that wears purple, I don't know if anybody's wearing purple here. I, it's not that I don't, but that's my opinion. It has nothing to do with the person. Uh, but my, I need to stand fast in what the Word of God tells me is right and wrong, not in my own opinion. Uh, opinions change all the time. God's opinion doesn't change because he knows everything. Right? We don't know everything. Uh, even we're talking about the medical needs of, of Pastor Stevens here. Even doctors are practicing medicine, right? They don't know everything. They learn more the more they practice and as they study things. And, uh, but So even their opinions have to change from time to time. But God never has to because he knows everything. He's omniscient. Uh, there's nothing new to him. And uh, we can put our full faith and trust in him. Uh, some other verses on standing fast. As believers, Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You can't stand firm if you have one foot in the Bible and the other foot in the world. Okay? We, we try to do that too often as believers. Uh, if you're standing on something firm on, with one foot and your other foot is in the mud and you try to do something, you don't have a firm foundation and you're going to slip and fall and you're going to make it worse than it even was before. So we need to have both feet in the Bible and stand firm on what God tells us to do. Christ even said you can't serve two masters. You're going to hate the one and love the other or serve the one and despise the other. Uh, so we need to have our full focus on the scriptures. Where Paul talks about the uh, armor of God in Ephesians 6, he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So three times in those couple of verses, he talks about standing. Okay, we shouldn't be sitting on the wayside. Uh, we need to be in the game. We need to be standing and standing firm for what's true. Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
Okay, again, he admonishes us to stand fast. But we need to stand fast, he says, in one spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit. We don't stand fast in our own spirits, in our own opinions, but stand fast in one spirit. He says stand fast with one mind. We need to all be on the same page, and the only way that we can do that is by being in the same book uh, so that we can all be of one mind. He says we need to strive together for the faith, not for a faith. It's not for one of the faiths, plural. Stand, strive together for the faith. There's only one faith according to the Bible, and that's through Christ, uh, our Savior. Uh, the faith of the gospel, he even says. There's not more than one gospel. He, he goes very strongly against that when he talks about if anybody else gives you another gospel, anathema, run away. That's not right. There's only one gospel. There's many denominations out there that want to tell you there's other ways and that we all ought to just love Jesus and get along. But we need to go by what the Bible says and not by what everybody else says uh, in it. That's their opinion. Go by God's opinion. You'll be much better off. Uh, I came across some examples in the scriptures of, of some of the uh, characters in the Bible and the ones that took a strong stand and some who didn't. And I think I'm, I'm just going to talk quickly about them here. Daniel, think about Daniel. Uh, he had a spine. He had a spiritual spine. He didn't have spiritual scoliosis. Uh, he was threatened to be thrown into that lion's den, right, if he worshiped God. But he knew worshiping God was the right thing to do, and he did it anyway. And he wasn't sure if God was going to save him, deliver him from that lion's den physically or just spiritually, uh, but he suffered the consequences, and God blessed him for taking a stand. He risked his very life to worship God. The same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They didn't know <laughs> what was going to happen when they were thrown into that fiery furnace, but they knew they had to worship God, and they did the right thing. They had spine. They stood for what was right. Ruth, uh, she chose to leave her people to serve the one true God, right? She went with Naomi. <coughs> her, her husband passed away. Her mother-in-law's her father-in-law passed away. She could have said, you know, this just isn't working out right. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to start all over, hit the reset button. You know, I'm going to start my life all over and where everything was comfortable and it wasn't this rough. But she knew she wanted to worship the one true God that her mother-in-law worshipped, so she stuck with her. It was a tough choice. It wasn't the, the path of least resistance. Uh, but she went on to do that, and she ended up in the genealogy of our Savior. Uh, David, think about him against Goliath, right? Wow, he took a stand. That had to, we would think it would take some guts to stand up to somebody that big. Uh, you think about physical spines. Goliath's physical spine was probably twice as big as David's physical spine. But David's spiritual spine was bigger than Goliath's. He took a stand and did what was right. Esther, when she went before the king, she could have been killed. She knew that. Yet she did that because she knew God wanted her to be used uh, to, to protect the Jews from what was going to happen to them. So we have some good examples of people who did have spiritual spines and obeyed what God had them do. Just a couple examples of those who didn't. Uh, think of Demas in the New Testament. Uh, he forsook Paul. It says that he loved this present world. So maybe he started out with one foot in the scriptures. He was working with Paul and then one foot in the world, and eventually he forsook. So he ended up with both feet in the world. He went his own way because he didn't follow uh, he didn't have a, a strong spiritual spine. And even Peter, you might say, well, what do you mean Peter? Peter was an apostle. Well, he denied knowing Christ, right, when that little girl came to him. I know you. You were with him, weren't you? He said, no, I, I don't know her. 
but he, he didn't stay in that valley. We were talking about a valley before. When he finally realized Jesus told him he was going to deny him three times, he went out and wept bitterly. He repented of his sin, and he got back on the path, and God used him in the future. So all of us, as we, as we take our eyes off the Lord and our Christian walk from time to time, or we, maybe we get one foot in the world, and we need to repent and get back with, with God, and God can still use us. Don't stay in that valley. Too many Christians, I think, stay in that valley and figure, well, I'm, I'm useless. I blew it again. Uh, God wants to use us. Look at how he used Peter after that incident. Uh, so praise, praise God that he's a forgiving God. So in conclusion, uh, this, this world's physical scoliosis rate is about 2 to 3% of the population, but the spiritual scoliosis rate is much higher, unfortunately, especially among Christians. We need to have strong and straight spines. Uh, spiritually speaking, it's always fatal if it's not corrected. Uh, the only doctor that can correct it is the great physician. He has a 100% success rate, but you must contact him for the procedure. Once complete, he expects us to stand straight for his word and not bend the knee to self, to fear, or to others. And we need to do that. I just read a, I forget if it was this morning's devotional or yesterday's devotional by uh, Pastor Dennis Costella, uh, the quote that he has in it here. It says, a true servant of the Lord will faithfully stand by his principles and not play religious politics. I thought that was good. That goes right along with it. A true servant of the Lord will faithfully stand by his principles and not play religious politics. See, many Christians are playing religious politics today. And we need to stand fast in the, in the word of God. It's just uh, amazing that God's given us his word that we can stand fast in it. And uh, we need to do that. So let's close this part in prayer. Father, we do thank you, Lord, again, for your word. We thank you for the truths that are in it. Thank you for giving us your word that we can know what we're to stand for and how to stand for. We thank you for the examples of the many others who have stood for you, even though it cost them something. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us to stand and to go the right direction and pray that you would help us to follow his lead and not our own opinions. Help us not to have one foot in your word and one foot in the world, but help us to have both feet. Help us to be all in to what you would have us to do. And we'll be sure to thank you in Jesus' name.